This is the first, the original, the one and the only draft bibliography. I'm Bill Carroll. I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Rick Saratella, who I'm reunited with after, I don't want to say the number of years because you'll realize we're no longer in our 20s, if I tell you, but it's been a while since Mr. Saratella and I have been together, but we've stayed in contact throughout a couple of decades. I'll leave, I'll leave it that way. I'll leave it at a couple of decades. Uh, Rick, how are you doing this wonderful day? Oh, Bill, I'm so excited for this show. And we, you know, we just had a show before the show, just talking with you. It's always a, a pleasure and honor, a privilege talking football with you. And yes, it's been way too long for this uh, re- reunition, and <laughs> I'm really thrilled and excited about it. And I think the listening audience will really enjoy it because you know when we began, you could count on one hand how many NFL draft websites there were out there, and and as you can attest, a lot of draft sites have uh, come and gone, and uh, yes. we are still standing here, my friend. Yes, indeed. I remember. I'm old enough to remember when the term draftnik was invented. I remember the first time I heard the term. <laughs> and so you may remember this. Um, a, the person who was the biggest influence on me as a quote-unquote draftnik, draft person, draft-obsessed individual, was the, the late, great Joel Buxbaum. And mm-hmm. he actually used to co-host or – whatever you want to call it, he used to bring him in, basically un, you know, open the cage uh, for him on a show that came out of KMOX. And Bob Costas actually was the host. And Bob Costas would try to stump him. And he would, you know, sort of like the stump the truck thing they do now on, on uh, the draft broadcast that the uh, NFL Network has, he would ask, you know, who the – punter at Delta State was, and he would just, boom, he would know him. I mean, he wouldn't even think about it. No, this is pre-internet, mm-hmm. people. He wasn't <laughs> looking it up. Yeah. He wasn't like, that's why people understand. Like, I don't want to be the curmudgeon, the old guy at the bar, like, well, it was harder in my day. But it was harder in my day. I grew up in a Navy town, and so I had a group of friends. We were kind of, you know, draft nerds or whatever. And so when my friends would move away, they'd, you know, they'd get their dad would get transferred to, you know, Sidby Island, Whidbey Island in Washington or whatever, we would then keep, keep in touch as pen pals. And I would say, because this is pre-SBN, pre, you know, pre-all this TV that, and Internet stuff, we'd write to each other. And I'd say, hey, you want to see um, Bruce Smith? I've got a bunch of Bruce Smith tapes. Can you send me you Millen, you know, or whatever? So we would send each other. <laughs> I, got my first, I got my first UPS account when I was like 14, Specifically for the purpose of shipping tapes to my friends in other parts of the country, and they'd ship me tapes. So that's how I used to do it, old school style. Back when cutting up tape, literally meant cutting up tape, I learned to cut tape. You know, you'd have this little machine where you'd really run tape through these little spindles and cut it with a little, like a, a little swing arm with a razor blade on it. Yeah. So when I used to cut tape, it meant cutting tape. So that's how far back I go. But, uh, it's exciting. This is an exciting time of year. A bunch of young men who have literally, some of them since they were five or six years old, have been preparing for a moment that will be over. Even if things go well, like I said, by the time they're maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, so it's, it goes by fast. 
young people. It goes by fast. But this moment is about to arrive for them. Things like the College Gridiron Showcase and the East West Shrine Game and the NFLPA Game and Senior Bowl and some of the ones that you know come and go. Medal of Honor was one of my favorites. I'm, I'm sorry to, to see that it's apparently not continuing on, but I enjoyed my time there. Uh, Casino del Sol I caught mm-hmm. one year. But there's all of these opportunities are important for more than one reason. And I'll say the first two reasons I think they're important, and then I'll ask you what you think you get out of them as an evaluator. One is it's an opportunity, obviously, to be interacting with NFL personnel. Anytime you're around coaches and scouts and they have to give you their attention, they're not thinking about the next school they got to hit before they get back to, you know, the the hotel or get – you know, the, the guy they got, their old friend they got to meet for barbecue and beer or whatever. Now there's not some next thing to get to right away. They don't have to be at the next school in two hours. That's 40 miles away. and They don't have to figure out where they're going to speak. Start, uh, oh, hey, we're being joined already by some of our young men. So I don't want to waste a, a precious moment with them. And it is the sack master himself, Christian Kuntz. So I've had the... I've had the pleasure of being on the Duquesne campus before years ago, and I am very familiar with the tremendous uh, – Chris King was a wide receiver I really, really liked, and so I'll, I'll definitely yep. talk to Mr. Kuntz about his school. Yeah. So, Mr. Christian Kuntz, thank you so much for joining us here on Draft Bibliography. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for putting up a lot of good tape. I'm, I'm a tape – connoisseur so when i come across something (laughs) tasty something delicious i have to uh enjoy it i have to swish it around in my mouth i've also joined by my co-host rick saratella he and i will both be peppering you with a few questions and then i i want you to understand that this is a two-way street feel free um if you want to hang out now obviously i don't want to take up too much of your time but we'll be joined by some other young men who you may have run across in your uh, draft journey to include later on Andre Pipkins and Jack Nelson. I don't mind if you have the time. Yeah. You're welcome to stay with us, ask questions uh, of each other. So I'm, that's one of my favorite okay. things when guys have questions for each other. But I'm going to have a first few questions for you. So I'll start with just the actual factuals. Uh, people, obviously, football players are essentially, this is not how I feel, but essentially you're looked at as a talented piece of meat. Don't take that the wrong way, but that's, you know, <laughs> That's kind of how football works. That's, you know, you're shopping for talented pieces of meat. That's basically what I mean. Bill Parcells used the word groceries. How much meat are they getting? Uh, give me the actual factuals, height, weight. If you have any testing numbers, I'd love to hear them. Um, well, I'm, I'm about 6'2 right now. Uh, two, working on my weight, I'm up to 235. Okay. Um, haven't really done any testing really yet. Just kind of been working on the mechanics of everything and the start um, with the 40 shuttle, three cone vert, all that stuff. So uh, just kind of in the, in the middle of starting to work on all that stuff. But um, as for the measurables, probably 6'2", 235 right now. And like I said, I'm really trying to work on, work on my weight. Um, just kind of eating a lot, a lot of protein shakes <laughs> and just trying to, just trying to put on that weight and, and, and be, and look a part of a, of an NFL linebacker. Yes. Well, enjoy the part of your life where you try to put on weight, Christian. It goes by faster than you might hope. So enjoy that. <laughs> just, okay. just so you know. 
<laughs> so I have a second question for you that I'll open it up for anyone else who might have questions. Clearly, tape is one of the great deciders of how fast and how far you grow as a player. In high school, mm-hmm. you may look at tape, but you, you know, you're looking at it, but you're not, eh. I mean, a few people really get into it, but most guys in high school look at tape and they're thinking like, ooh, look at me, I look smooth. Uh, yeah. and, then later, and then later you get to college and now you're getting more out of it and then you're going to take this next big jump where you have to really delve into the tape. Can you tell me about how and who helped you to change your approach to watching tape and give me an example of one play you made specifically because of something you spotted on tape? Um, definitely my sophomore season I had, a, I had a coach, Coach Matt Rach. He was actually with the Cardinals um, prior to coming to Duquesne and one day, I think something happened with their staff, and he came back to Pittsburgh, and actually we had the luxury of having him for one year before he went back to the NFL. He's with the Lions now. Um, but he kind of changed my whole approach into watching film and, and really picking up on how people are standing, where where people certain people are lined up, keying in certain things. And um, there was actually a play um, during the Youngstown game this year that I was kind of looking at how the tight end was was um, was in his stance, and I, I kind of knew that it, they were going to run an outside zone to my side, and that he was going to try to reach me. So I kind of stemmed him up outside, and then ripped through his shoulder, and ended up coming underneath him and making a play in the backfield. And I kind of just thrive on trying to pick up on the little things on, on film of either if it's the stance or where certain people are lined up that kind of just gives me a little bit of an advantage that, that will help me in any way I can. Okay, excellent. Excellent. Uh, I'll open it up if anyone else has any other questions as well. Any questions you might have, Rick? Yes. Yeah, of course. Hey, how you doing, Christian? Thanks for hopping on with us, man. And, uh, you know, I do want to just give you a shout-out for all your accolades that you racked up at Duquesne because I know – you know, uh, draft mix out there, maybe the casual NFL fan, maybe a new scout to the pro circuit. Uh, maybe they weren't in attendance. Maybe they weren't the 111 NFL scouts that were in, att- in attendance at Bedford, Texas. But, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to meet Christian Bill at the NEC Media Day, and uh, we are talking to pretty much the most decorated NEC player <laughs> of all time. Uh, two-time FCS Stats All-American first team. Uh, the only guy to do that since Lee Bodden, who you, who you might remember. We have <laughs> had a nice little eight-year eight career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> two-time NEC Defensive Player of the Year, the all-time NEC sack leader with 32-and-a-half sacks, 71-and-a-half tackles for loss, and uh, multiple <clears throat> NEC champions there with Duquesne, and then uh, you talk about the film. He he continues to put some good film on the tape with the College Gridiron Showcase, which you guys can find on the College Gridiron Showcase YouTube channel. You can catch out all of the uh, one-on-one drills, seven-on-sevens, the scrimmages. And I think one of the, the great aspects of this, Christian, that I want you to speak on is that mm-hmm. it was the ultimate stage for every the equal playing field. And – uh, for guys from the NEC to play against guys against the Power Five Conference and for an opportunity like someone such as yourself to match your skill set against the elite from across the country. I mean, how how was that experience, and how do you feel like you stacked up and they had that big interception off uh, 
uh, Tyler O'Connor from from Michigan State, I think, in the in the back of the end zone, and that was a big play. But the opportunity to really showcase your skill set now uh, with an even playing field, FBS versus FCS, I think that was one of the greatest things about the event that I got to view and observe. Yeah, definitely appreciate it, Rick. I mean, it was definitely like awesome getting down there and and having guys from wherever Auburn, Ole Miss. Uh, South Carolina, all the big schools that you kind of just watch after after my games on TV. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous going down there, but um, once I got down there, once the pads got on, I, I really felt no different. It, it kind of helped my confidence a little bit. Um, it was just really, really nice getting down there and, and kind of seeing where I stand with that competition, and, and, I, and I felt great. Um, and I kind of just – it actually helped me going down, and, and I'm looking forward to the next steps of this process. I'm just training now and, and waiting for my next shot. And you you mentioned your training. Yeah, and you, yeah go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, you mentioned your training and some of the things you're working on. Obviously, you want to run fast, jump high, all the things that they look for in terms of numbers. But you're yeah. also working on some other things in terms of your craft itself, especially since you're going to be asked probably to do some different things in terms of coverage than you may have done in the past. Tell me a little bit about that. What are you trying to do to, to not just be a, an athlete, but show them that you are a, a true NFL three-down linebacker? Uh, well, right after the season, I went up to – I actually lived in Minnesota for four weeks, and I trained with Tyrone Carter. He's, uh, he's one of the best <laughs> DB coaches He's a great DB coach now. He really worked on my technique with covering and my steps and everything. So um, I kind of worked on that. He fine-tuned some things, and he really really got me right with my footwork and hips and everything. So I plan on actually going back there after my pro day and getting more into the, the football aspect of things. But I'm also working on my long snapping. I know I, I snapped for three years in college, and I'm kind of just trying to, trying to fine-tune that where – it's just another another tool in the toolbox where they could say, "Hey, look, he long snaps too." So anything anything to really give me a shot and, and give me a chance into someone's camp, I'm I'm willing to do it. Well, it's funny you should mention long snapping. I don't. You're probably too young to remember. Well, you probably weren't even born. I think about it. Maybe you were, but <laughs> the, the the story of largely how Jared Allen, you know, who tore it up at Idaho State, but the reason he had an NFL career largely was because his life got saved when cuts came around because he could long snap, believe it or not. He was a terrific long snapper. And wow. uh, Coach Vermeil, you know, and some of the other coaches there loved the fact that they had, you know, hey, you know, this kid might be something someday as a defensive player, but look how good a long snapper he is. You know, we only have – he's the only other guy we have on our entire roster who knows how to long snap. So let's keep him around. And, of course, it turned out ugh, he didn't really use his long snapping skills very much. But that's yeah, well, one reason Jared Allen made the cut. Wow, I didn't. I didn't even know that about Jared Allen. I thought he was just a strictly a DN and pass rusher type of guy. That he was a Pro Bowler for a couple of years. I know that. Oh yes, a borderline Hall of Famer, 113 Jeez. something like that career sacks. But uh, so, but but wow. terrific long snapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got long snap tape. If you ever see a long snap, it. Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, because I'm sick. But, uh, yes, he was a terrific long snapper as well. He, there were teams, believe it or not, that, that looked at him as, as him as a long snapper. Uh, you know, they thought anything else would be kind of a bonus. 
<laughs> what wow. heck of a bonus. They wow. end up getting off Jerry Allen. <laughs> uh, wow. but I got to say, I, 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 definitely, I definitely like the people that, you know, you're surrounding yourself with, Christian, because yes. – uh, Tyrone Carter, yeah. NFL – Well done. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy, a decade in the league, two-time Super Bowl champion, a guy who played yep. for – um, multiple teams, so he can tell you about scrapping and surviving. You also had the the perspective down at the College Gridiron Showcase to be around our defensive coordinator Marvin Jones, a guy. You know, you get another <laughs> aspect of of being a high profile guy, first round a pick, man who a guy who played for history, Parcells. Right? If not for Marvin Jones, how different <laughs> is the game of football? <laughs> Well, and and not only that, I mean, a guy that who who has played for yes, Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick, Bobby Bowden, Romeo Cornell, he's, the list goes on and on. Literal who's who, right? I mean, obviously that's what people remember about Marvin Jones, but he had a really good career, sort of overshadowed by one moment where he changed the entire history of football. <coughs> but he's a terrific yeah. player. Yeah, it was it was great. Then, it was great I mean, having, even not to cut you guys things. not to cut you guys off, but I know also with the long snapping. I mean, you know, you were down there working with Coach Mike McCabe there with practicing mm-hmm. the long snap, getting some looks there on special teams, and then Jerry Schmidt, who we got a chance to talk to, one of the most underrated coaches in college football, in my opinion. I mean, uh, his twelfth year there at Duquesne, and you talk about uh, just dominance. I mean, the that Duquesne football program has now won, I think, 15 of the last 22 years. They won the conference or had a share of that conference. But, uh, yep. you know, what what has the draft process been like, just getting all these perspectives, picking people's brain, any piece of advice that kind of stands out to you that you've been able to kind of just take with you throughout? And this is really just the, the early part. I mean, you had the College Gridiron Showcase, but, uh, you know, training now for your pro day is, is really – you know, only a couple weeks in, and you got quite some time to go now of, of this process. So, what's that been like for you? It's been it's been fun. I mean, so far, uh, it gets nerve wracking sometimes, but I just try not to worry about it. But I mean, Tyrone kind of said it, and my agent Ryan Jansen, he he really put it in perspective. There's going to be people, naysayers, doubters that that are saying you're coming from a small school, blah blah blah, all that stuff. So, you just kind of got to keep your head down and not worry about what anyone says. Just keep working. So that's what I kind of trying to do here. And it really, really is not going to matter where you come from because once you make it and once you uh, prove people wrong, no one's going to even ask. So that's kind of what I've been trying to live by and, and, and really do here. Just working my tail off as of now. Right. Well, if not for a, a undersized corner, supposedly from a school called West Georgia, Patriots don't win a Super Bowl, uh, so there's a there's a lot of people yep. from a lot of places, right? That definitely have made this game what it is. Uh, so, take me through what that College Gridiron Showcase experience was like. Uh, were there guys that you maybe already knew? Who were the guys you got closest to? And what do you think you you grew from? What do you think you gained from that experience in terms of how you're a better player now than you were when you started that process? Um, I mean, going down there, I didn't. I knew uh, Dalton Easton from Bryant, okay. the quarterback from Bryant. That's about that's about a whole I knew going down there. Um, and we were in different groups, so we really didn't get to spend much time together. And obviously, he's on the offense, so. Um, <laughs> but I kind of, right. 
I got clo- I got closer with a lot of the linebackers down there. Um, they were in my group. <clears throat> my roommate was Ramel uh, Maggio from Ole Miss, so I kind of got close with him. Um, and overall, like the experience was just it was great. I mean, getting coached by Coach Jones and um, Mister Alexander, um, and and kind of playing on the inside a little bit really helped me with my comfortability and and being in there because I played on the outside at Duquesne and. And people kind of say, well, can he play on the inside? He's going to have to, blah, blah, blah. And I did a little bit of Duquesne, but just kind of going down at the College Gridiron Showcase and being able to show people that I'm comfortable in there and I can do it was uh, just a really good experience for me. Okay, excellent. And you've had a long and successful career, obviously. From your time in high school, your time as a collegian, and now – Postseason, right? You're now facing guys from all over the place. Tell me about the guys who have most impressed you. At any level of football that you've played, who have been the guys that stood out in your mind like, that guy is a stud hoss? Um, so we'll start back from my freshman year of of, uh, of college. I came in, and we went and we played down at Old Dominion, and, and I think we played Taylor Heineke was his name, the quarterback. Um, <laughs> Minnesota he, down, he yeah. He impressed me. Um, that was that was a that was a game as a true freshman where I was just kind of lost and everything. It was a sold out crowd down there. It was a big crowd. Um, we end up we were up twenty to ten. I ended up taking an interception back for fifty yards for a touchdown. But we 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 end up losing like twenty three fifty four to twenty three. So they kind of turned on the second half. But um, yeah, he the quarterback he was he was pretty impressive. And then. Um, Definitely my sophomore year, the the running back from Wagner, um, Dominique Williams. Dominique Williams. He was man. he was very I'll impressive. Minnesota, if memory serves me correctly, I think it's where uh, he was. Uh, I thought he was with the Jets, but yeah, he's he's very impressive. Um, I mean, he was tough to tackle. He had great vision and everything. And then junior and senior year was definitely just playing against Julian Davenport. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And probably and, and probably. Uh, I think his name's Jerry uh, Ogosoe or something from the tackle from uh, William and Mary. Those guys were oh, those, yeah. those, they, they were they were fun to pass rush against. That's for sure. So they were probably the two best that I've played. Excellent, uh, Rick. Did you have another couple of questions? No, I know uh, Andre was supposed to be calling in here soon. Do we have him yeah, on the line? I was or? checking. No, not not as of yet. But I, okay, I'm sure he'll be with I, us momentarily. So cool. All right. Yeah, right now we still got uh, Christian, and he's he's good people. So go ahead. Oh yeah, no, I know that. Uh, I got a chance to spend quite quite some time with Christian, and uh, I just love his motor. I love the intensity that he brings to it. But I'm just curious, Christian. You know, now that you're doing uh, this NFL combine style of training, it's a different mental approach. And you know, take us through a typical day. Like, how much of it consists of preparing for your pro day, and then how much consists of like positional work take us through a prototypical day uh you got a chance to play some inside backer at cause gridiron showcase is that something you're like working on doing more of what do what are your plans uh from here until that pro day so yeah i mean we just like a typical day we start around 9 30 um warm up start on the field with stands and starts um 
sometimes we do some weighted sprints, 40, basically all the 40 stuff to start. Um, and basically that first 10 yards is, is really what we start with. And then um, we kind of get into our lift and everything's kind of centered around being more explosive and being able to really pop out of your, your starts and, and jump up high vert and, and broad and that stuff. And then after that, it's um, more position work and, and doing stuff of that nature for linebackers dropping, um, coming downhill, then redropping the flag, working with cones, and, and that such thing. And then we have conditioning. So, I mean, it's a long it's a long day, but um, it, you definitely feel good after, and, and it's and it's great. All, all of it's great work. So, um, I have a couple linebackers there with me, training there. So. Um, it's good to have a couple guys going through it as well. Excellent. I have a final question for you as we are being joined by our uh, next prospect guest. So this is my, my world-famous, often imitated, never emulated final question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you a few years into the future. So, okay. okay. Um, you have to fight your way through getting cut, being picked up, a little time on a practice squad. Finally, somebody says, give me this kid. I can do something with him. They put you in one of those roles where you play, you know, on a couple of downs as like a, you know, sort of conventional Sam, and then they, you know, then then stand you up in certain situations, let you move around. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll use you as almost like a DN in certain <clears throat> situations, that elephant role that Willie McGinnis helped them make popular in the, that Earhart slash Belichick 3-4 approach to defense. And you yeah. start to really make an impact, right? You start to really make an impact. People start to say, hey, well, who is this guy? Where's Coons? What? Where's he from? Yeah. And the, so now you get to that second contract. So if you've, you have an agent, they've told you about how your life changes at that point. You know, you scrap, you survive, you scratch, and then get to that second contract, your life changes. They bring you back to the cane. It's Christian Coons Day. Retire your number. <laughs> show, you know, all that good stuff, right? They're showing – because, I mean, you deserve it, man. You, whew, Your numbers are ridiculous. But – uh. They're showing up on the screen, you know, who Christian Kuntz was. Tell me a game that you want on the Jumbotron on Christian Kuntz Day that illustrates just who you were and what you brought to the table as a player. Um, probably the Dayton game of, of this year. Um, it was just kind of a tough, gritty game, and, and I, I love those kind of games. That it's just physical, and everyone's just kind of gotten every play out, every every series, every drive, whatever, and I kind of just feel like in the second half of that game, I kind of just really took over and and let just my motor and everything got a couple sacks, TFLs, and I kind of probably just want that game to be shown just because it was just I was kind of getting after it, getting after the quarterback, being in the backfield and just being disruptive. So, And that's kind of what my whole game is, and that's definitely the game that I'd want to be shown. Excellent, excellent. Well, as the crowd goes crazy, as you're – as your your numbers hoisted into the rafters and all that, that that's that's probably a good game to choose. We have been joined also now by Jack Nelson and Andre Pipkins. As I mentioned, I don't know your schedule. If you are available to hang out, I'm more than happy yeah. to have you. Uh, but I will definitely introduce the next two. So uh, Jack Nelson's been one of my favorite quarterbacks for a while, and I am thrilled that he's finally getting a teeny tiny bit of buzz, not nearly as much buzz as I'd like to see him get. And then Andre Pipkins has an interesting journey to this point in his football career. I'm hoping he'll share a little bit of that with us as well. How are we doing, Andre and Jack? Uh, good, man. I appreciate you having me on, though. 
I appreciate yep. you making the time because you have a lot going on in your lives right now. Yeah. And I'll start first. Uh, Andre, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Excellent. I'll start with you, Andre. So yeah. a lot of people talk about the difference in quote-unquote level of competition, right? When you are playing against these guys, well, these guys are studs. You're playing against these guys. These guys are future insurance salesmen. And they have a tendency to sort of not realize that there's gradations. There's guys at big schools who are future insurance salesmen too, and there's guys at small schools who are studs. Take me through your journey. Obviously, you've seen a little bit of both sides of the, the wonderful, wild world of college football. Right. Well, you know, it was definitely, you know, something – great to be a part of, uh, to, you know, have the privilege to go to uh, two uh, top Division One schools, uh, you know, in the country, uh, so to speak, uh, in the Power Five Conference. So uh, it was uh, it, it was a great opportunity for me. Um, but, you know, as far as the level of competition and the uh, players, I think, you know, you find, you got your great players and you got your studs and standouts, you know, just about any and everywhere, you know, they're just, you know, spread out amongst the country. Um, right. But, you know, playing at, playing at Michigan, it was, you know, just more, downhill, you know, run the ball, you know, smash mouth, you know, the classic football, you know, so you was able to, you know, catch your breath and stuff like that. But when you go to the Big 12 and it's running, it's pretty much, you know, air it out and let's let's see who who taps out, you know, the first, first, you know. So it was kind of different, man, but no huddle for me. So I had to adjust and, you know, things like that. But the level of competition, you know, of course, was a lot different. Of course, it's more physical. In the Big Twelve, uh, a lot of a lot more bigger kids and bigger alignment. But uh, the Big Twelve is, you know, it, it, it's not as it's not as physical, you know, as the Big Ten. But it's definitely uh, it's just as just as competitive. Got it. And clearly, you have an understanding of, as you said, you know, coaches differ from place to place. You get some right. coaches who are very into learning about you as a person and want to connect with you on a very deep level. And some coaches, doesn't mean they're better or worse. It means that they, they're more business-oriented, right? They, you know, um, tell me about some of the coaching you received and, and how was, stylistically, how different was the coaching from one program to the next? Uh, well, it was, at first, you know, it was just, you know, we took a, we took a lot of notes. Yeah, at Michigan, of course, you know, we took a lot of notes, uh, we, made a lot of uh, adjustments, you know, according, you know, through the week and game planning and stuff like that. So our coach was really, you know, hands-on with this and, you know, uh, showed us uh, physically, you know what I mean, in, in practice. You know, we didn't we didn't spend a lot of time, you know, doing X and O's. Like, we, we, we were hands-on and we saw a lot of, you know, different, you know, elements to the game to where we could have and all that, just, you know, being a visual learner. Hands on, so it, you know that helped me because when, once I went to Texas Tech, you know I started to pick up things a lot, you know, faster than others because you know I was in the pretty much the same defense at Michigan, at Michigan. So it was easy, you know, kind of to adjust. But um, it was uh, like, like I said, it's, it's, it's just a learning curve that you got to you know get over, and uh, you know it's it's just something that you got to deal with. It's part of adjusting, it's part of a life, you know. That's all. That's something that I always. Uh, uh, like compared to adapting and adjusting, you know, it's just like life or it's just like moving to a new neighborhood, you know, you just got to adjust. Okay. And you mentioned adapting and adjusting. I'm going to jump over to Jack. Life of a quarterback is nothing but adapting and adjusting, especially when we've got hunters like Mr. Pippins trying to, you know, ruin your day. The last thing you <laughs> want to see is, 
you know, some big, ugly, sweaty, nasty, angry man, you know, all up in your face, trying to, you know, smear up your eye black and dirty up your uniform, make it so the ladies won't want to talk to you after the game. So, Jack, tell me about the transition from being a high school quarterback where, not to say that it comes easily to you because you still have to work, but the work is it's a different level of work. It's a different kind of work even, level, kind, intensity. What changed for you making that jump from high school to college? You know, I think kind of the, the main thing that changed in high school is kind of like playground ball a little bit, kind of just rolling out there with some sort of game plan, just kind of seeing what works and you'll you'll play throughout the throughout the game. Uh, but then when you get to college, I didn't really ever have a playbook in high school. Oh wow! In college kind of was it's a completely completely different game. It's, uh, I I had to learn about film study and everything, learn about how to take notes during meetings and everything. So I think uh, just the the level of preparation is completely completely different between high school and, and uh, college. And then on the on the field, just the everybody everybody at college is just the, the best player from their school school usually. So it's a, it really kind of evens out the playing field. Got it. And so that's – I mean, I've heard that a few times where the guy will tell me – I've had a few guys, a couple of guys from uh, some Texas schools told me that basically their OC or their quarterback's coach or, you know, would basically make up, you know, sort of a play sheet, but they didn't have a full-on playbook. They would make up the plays they thought would be best from week to week. That's, that's interesting to me that you, you'll run into that. So tell me about – how long did it take you to get comfortable with suddenly having a completely different mental load on you as a quarterback? I think it probably took me probably like a good month into my college career to get used to the load. At first I wasn't, I wasn't playing on playing my first year playing red shirting, but injuries happened. So I had to play right away. So, uh, uh, it kind of took me a good month just to get used to it. I mean, I think the coaches helped, helped me a lot. Just, Kind of slowing things down for me, making my easy pretty easy, pretty easy for myself. But uh, once I kind of got used to the, the tempo of the game and the the, the knowledge you need to know at the quarterback position, I think it made it uh, a lot easier for for myself. Okay, got it. And I will now hit both you. I'll I'll ask you, and then I'll ask Mr. Pipkin the same question. Uh, obviously, people want to know when they go to buy groceries what they're getting for their dollar. So when somebody goes in and buys themselves a you know a, a nice load full of Jack Nelson, how much are they getting? Um, give me the actual factuals. How big are you now? And of course, if you have a goal for how big you'd like to be, give that to me as well. And if you have any testing numbers, though I know very often at this point guys don't, but if you do have anything from spring or anything like that, I'd love to have it. Uh, right now I'm weighing like right around around two thirty five, two thirty seven, and then I'm around six three, six four, and then uh. I think I ran a four seven in the in the spring at my school. Okay, for a QB your size, that's flat getting it, not too shabby. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> hey. improving it though too. So. All right. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't think of you as 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 that kind of level of athlete. So it's good to good to know. Yeah, kind Same of just question. under undercover a little bit. Yeah, I see that. You see, you know, you you have a, you're like one of those guys that holds that inside until till it's needed, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll definitely when I go back and look more, more tape, I'll see if I can spot you pulling away from some some poor sucker who's yeah. not able to keep up with that blazing Jack Nelson four seven. Yeah. And 
same question for you, Mr. Pipkins. Uh, actual factuals in terms of where you are now, and, and of course, if you have a goal for where you'd like to be physically by the time you get to your pro day, please give that to me as well. Okay. Um, you know, right now, I'm uh, sitting at uh, 6'3". Um, it's 6'2", 7", but 6'3". 6'3", 3'5", and then uh, I would like to be anywhere from like 3'10", to and yeah, three ten to like three three twelve is the goal weight I like to be at. And um, as far as numbers go, uh, my best I'm looking to run anywhere from a, a, a high four eight to a, a mid four nine. So we're working on the, on, on the speed and we're trying to get things going. But uh, as far as the rest of the numbers, I just let that approach on uh, pro day. Okay, <laughs> so, I can so just keep keep surprising a couple people. Yeah, if you're like three thirteen, three oh eight, somewhere in that range, you run four nine anything. That's you're not just big, you're big and sexy. If you do that. Hey I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in here, Bill. Please do quick. jump and, in. And Andre yeah, Andre and Jack, welcome to the show. Rick is here and I've just been uh listening to you guys chat and obviously I I got a chance to know you guys a little bit down in Bedford, Texas, so I've been letting um, Bill, pick your brains a little bit, but talking about Andre down in, in uh, Bedford, I'll start off with him, and uh, yeah, we had him in at 303 pounds and very impressive 80-inch wingspan, Bill, so Hello. those one-on-ones, yeah, you know, those one-on-ones, he was he was giving the linemen some work and really taking advantage of those guys, and you talk about... I, I spent some time with Andre, man, and just one of the true competitors of the week. This man just loves football. When you talk to him, it bleeds through his pores, and he's just intense and physical on the field. When you talk to him off the field, you can just tell he's just passionate about football. Uh, one-on-one winner all week long during the drills. And another guy, son of a football coach, uh, yeah. just got done playing under David Gibbs, <laughs> uh, a, a guy – you know, back and forth for the last 30 years between the NFL and the college football uh, scene. And then Coach Don Winnick down down here in Bedford got a hold of you, Andre. And uh, yes, just, you know, your week, your 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 impressions of the week of the College Gridiron Showcase, uh, the NFL Draft Bible crew thought you were one of the top performers of the week. We really thought that you stood out. And how do you felt like you performed? I felt like I did well, and I felt like uh, the coaching was – um, another another way of me like trying to adjust to different type of culture and uh, it went well. I learned a lot about my technique and things that I could do to better myself uh, throughout this process of training and going to pro day. But my biggest uh, problem uh, was like my hands and having to set move on uh, coming off rush or any uh, any pass rush. So I'm working on perfecting that. I thought the coaching was was fair. I thought the coaching was good. As far as the hospitality, I thought, you know, Bedford did a great job. You know, uh, also Coach Red and uh, Coach uh, Scartella, you know, they did a great job of making us, you know, feel welcome. And uh, all the sponsors did, you know, a good job of interacting with us. And I felt like, you know, it was very educational as well. You know, we went in and we, you know, just didn't learn about football. We learned about finances as well. And that was an eye-opener, I think, to pretty much all of us. And we can all attest to it, you know tell you that you know we definitely was shocked when we saw how much a rookie makes uh in his first uh year so we we were all kind of shocked and opened up eyes and kind of um 
uh, shorten our budgets a little bit <laughs> because we think we're going to go in here and drive this type of car when really you can't afford to drive that car on your first year. So you better try to get a bike or something. There's nothing wrong with a three- to four-year-old well-maintained vehicle, young man. You don't have to run out and buy the newest and the fresh, freshest and the fastest. Oh, no, nah, man. I'm going to go get me a bucket or something for like $1,000 and pay for cash. <laughs> it's all taken care of. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to jump back to Jack for just a moment. So, as you mentioned, you came from a situation in high school where, though it was very effective, you guys didn't spend a lot of time on building out an entire offense to a place where you had to have an entire offense grasped in your head, know how to run it. Can you take me through calling a play? Give me a favorite play to call. Let's say I'm going to set you up third and eight. You're on the other team's 22, so you're just on the fringes of, you know, the quote-unquote red area, gold area, whatever you guys call it in terms of where you're about to score. So it's a third and eight uh, late in the game. You really have to have it. Give me a favorite, and let me just set up. So let's just say they're a team that's a a man-press team. So you're playing a man-press team. It's third and eight. You're on their 22. Your guys are down by four minute and eight seconds left. Give me a have-to-have-it third and eight play. Uh, I think it's especially in that situation we're going to get man-pressed. I think one of our favorite ones, we do a lot of five- and ten-yard out routes. So we go with a like a three-receiver, uh, three-by-one uh, set, and we go, it would be called Trey Wright 54 Bear. So we'd have a, a, a vertical on from the outside receiver, uh, a five-yard out, a five-yard speed out, five- to six-yard speed out from number two, and then number three, we'd have a ten-yard out just to kind of get some levels there and get some, hopefully get some separation from those man press guys. Uh, that was one of our, one of my favorite plays to throw. Cause if it's especially with man press, you know, uh, you just got to count on your guy being, being the man press there. So that'd, that'd be one of my favorite uh, go-to plays. Okay. One more question before I jump back to Mr. Pipkins, every receiver in the world wants to know the answer to this. How do you become a quarterback's favorite receiver? Everyone, you know, even the great ones have a favorite guy. They'll throw it to anybody because whoever's open. But if you've got your choices, there's always a guy that sort of sticks out. How does a guy become a favorite receiver? Uh, I think it's just kind of building that uh, that uh, chemistry. I mean, I've had I played with a lot of my receivers for three, four years in a row, and uh, I can trust all of them. So it's just building that chemistry on and off the field. I mean, we'd be a lot of the receivers would be in, in Winona in the summers. Just we'd be working on routes. Then when you get into practice and game situations, we throw it anywhere around their area. They should be able to come down. So that was kind of my uh, my my way of looking at it. I had one receiver I played with for four years, and I knew if I threw it anywhere around his area, I knew he, I could count on him to make a play. So that's kind of how I've always looked at it. Perfect. Uh, Rick, do you have any follow-up questions? Yeah, you know, uh, for Jack, actually, let me just uh, talk to him for a second. Welcome to the show, Jack. And it was uh, definitely an honor to watch you play down in Bedford as well. And you're a guy who has, you know, pretty much rewritten the the record books down there at Winona, up there at Winona State. And the accolades, once again, a four-year starter, over 100 career touchdowns, 12,000 passing yards. I think the one I like my favorite is probably – 42 consecutive games with a touchdown pass. That's just incredible. A team captain. but He's, he's the you know, Johnny Unitas of the Northern Sun Conference. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He just – I mean, the list goes on and on. And I know, uh, 
talking to to the football program. I know a couple dozen scouts have been through to come and scout you and 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 coach um coach Cam Keller said, you know, when you first arrived, uh you were more of just a big armed quarterback and you know, since your arrival, you've kind of developed more into a, a, a signal caller, a student of the game. You even now, I, I heard on game week, uh, help prepare the installs and have the freedom to kind of switch it up at the line of scrimmage. So what do you attest that development to from, you know, coming to campus as just a, a big arm, a big quarterback, and, and just developing into that more of a student of the game mentality type of signal caller? Uh, I think it'd just be that uh, when I first came to campus, I was just a kid that played football and just kind of something I did, something I enjoyed doing. And now, once I like got went through film study and went through taking notes on with uh, Coach Keller, it's just something I really started to love. I mean, it's something I want to make a career out of for the rest of kind of for, for, for the rest of my life, kind of. So uh, I just really enjoyed this the learning aspect of it and trying to figure out what defenses are going to do to you. That's why I I would go into offensive meeting meetings and kind of pick their brains a little bit what, about what would work, and I and they'd kind of pick mine about what what I think would work throughout the week. So it's uh it's just me, my uh, love of the game kind of just made me uh, enjoy the, the the learning aspect of it a little bit more. Excellent. I'm going to ask you both, and I'll stick with you for a moment, Jack, and then I'll jump back over to Mr. Pipkins. Can you take me through what an actual prep week is like for a game? I don't think people understand how much work goes into it. Uh, take me through your, your week leading up to a, a game on Saturday. Uh, I mean, we usually get going on Tuesday mornings. Where we'll, have, we'll lift in the morning, we'll come back, and 7 a.m. we'll have meetings. Uh, so we'll go over install for the week and go over the scouting reports. And then I'll usually come back during the day, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and meet, get extra meeting times with the, with, the, with with Coach Keller. Uh, but we'd meet throughout the week every every day at 7 a.m. and just and then we have practice at 3:30 and just I mean it's it's kind of a grind and that's not including all this uh, extra film you kind of do on your own and take notes on your own and then bring that to the coaches also. Excellent. Same question for you, Andre. Oh, well, the week of preparation, of course, you know, starts on you know, the next day for us as far as, you know, recovering, things of that nature. And then game plans are in uh, on Monday. So, uh, you know, Monday is an early, early day for just about any position on the team. You know, you go in and watch film and um, you just take notes and look at tendencies as far as personnel and stuff like that. What's their favorite play out of, you know, 12 personnel or uh, favorite pass on third and uh, three plus, uh, what they like to do. So it's a lot of different you know, things that go into um, studying and knowing your opponent. But as far as uh, me, uh, personally, uh, for you know, the film study is where it's the go-to. You know, I, I think that, that that tells it all. So uh, I look at, when I look at an old lineman, I'm looking at, you know, how much weight does he have on his hands, but, um, if his knuckles are, you know, turning turning purple or you know, turning white, uh, you know, to, to see, you know, if I can get a jump on the snap, you know what I mean? Because if you can beat him off the snap, then you pretty much got him. Or, or shoot your hands quicker than him, then you got him. Uh, you know, on pulls, I'm looking, you know, see um, the track of the guard, uh, seeing if he's, you know, going back a little bit, you know, off the line of scrimmage, you know. So it goes, it's a lot of things that go into it. And, 
you just have to, if you really, you know, want it and, and have a competitive nature about yourself, then going in and watching film and doing the recovery things and the stuff like that to make you to make you feel better and get you going, you know, for Saturday, you know, it, it'll come second nature to you if you're a true competitor. You know, it's, but it's not easy for just, a, you know, a regular guy to go in there and, Every morning, you know, Monday through Thursday, you know, for me it was Monday through Thursday going in and watching film and trying to find something, you know, even even looking up personal things about uh, the, the the opponent, you know, that helped me as well, you know. So it, it's just one of those things, man. It's just you know a preparation of you know thing that will help you, you know, in the game, you know, if you know something about your opponent, you know, it's better than knowing nothing. Oh, yeah, oh, got hey, it. he can bring up. Yeah, go ahead. Last- no, yeah, no, last one for me because I want to transition and, and for each of these guys, and Andre, I'll keep it with you, and then, Jack, you can answer the same question. But you talk about preparing during the season. Now the preparation for whether it's the combine or your pro day, it could be the combine in a month, it could be your pro day in two months. It's a whole different approach. And just talk about how that process is treating you because now it's also the mental ground. You don't have a team, so you can't necessarily study a playbook, but you can work, you know, with the positional drills, you know, uh, uh, sharpening your game. But there's in this waiting process now, you're only a couple weeks into this combine training type of uh, program and regimen. How much different is it? How much is it uh, of a mental kind of game now because now it's just full-time football eight hours a day you're training you're doing uh different types of drills and you're you're preparing for a different kind of job interview uh that you're going to get another opportunity here in front of scouts and andre you can go first okay um well to you know answer that you know all in one i think uh it's a it's very different you know you don't have school okay so that's one element, you know, you can take out of, uh, you know, the, the grind, you know, that you're, that, you're, that you're used to before. So, you know, when you going in training, you know, it's, it's just all mental and uh, uh, how bad do you want it because it's not, you know, like a disciplinarian that you have, you know, while you're training. You know, you are your own disciplinarian. You know, you, you police yourself. So it's about how bad you want it, you know, and how, how much do you want to improve throughout the time of the um of the training because you you have nothing but time now. You know, so after the workout, uh you know, I stay and, you know, try to work on my hands and try to work on my feet and also, you know, more flexibility and stuff like that as far as the, the resources that they have, yoga, uh, you know, a, a lot of, you know, different you know, stretches that you can do to, you know, improve your mobility. So the you know, the and to the dieting, man, you have no no other I mean you have a choice. You can you know, slack off and eat whatever, but, you know, the the diets are, you know, perfect and the meals are, you know, perfect, you know, for just about any and every athlete from the calories that you need to the, you know, amount of carbs you need, you know, for a workout. So it's definitely up to you. You know, as I would say, once you get to this process, it's up to you how much do you want to put in into being a better and more improved athlete. So that's how I look at it, man. It's up to you and what you want to do with it and what you – what is your brand? You know, what's your brand? You know, so is it hard work or is it like statistical sitting back, you know, pretty much just waiting on things to happen? And I would say that is not my <laughs> brand at all. Mm-hmm. Same no question doubt. to you, Jack. Jack? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you hit it on the head completely. But uh, it's kind of nice just to uh, never in my life have been, I've been able to just focus on just football. 
it's kind of nice just to focus on just one thing at a time and just better myself at this uh at this one aspect of my of my life just because this is what i want to do for my career so i want to make money off of this so i want to do kind of for the rest of my life so it's kind of it's it's nice not have to not have to focus about school not have to focus about anything else but just football it's uh it's a completely a completely different change for myself but i'm really enjoying the whole process now jack you've been saying for the rest of my life now as in, even if you're Brett Favre, by about 41 or so, you got to look for something mm-hmm. else to do. So yeah. I'm assuming I mean, you're going to be maybe coaching it. or something. Yeah, I didn't mean about playing. For, I don't know how long I'm playing with that, but I mean coaching is something I've, I've always gotten into. I just, I've just always enjoyed the game of football. I just want to make kind of just make a career out of it. Excellent, excellent. Uh, well, I'll hit you guys with my final two questions, and I'll stick with you for the moment, Jack. And I'll hop back to Mr. Pipkins. So. Both of you talked a lot about the role that the learning side, the mental side, has played in your development. So I'm going to ask both of you, start with you, Jack, and then I'll I'll go to Andre. Tell me about a play you made because of something you spotted, something you saw in film study, something you saw that you might not have, a play you wouldn't have made otherwise. Uh, Are you talking about like in a game situation type thing? Yes. Yes, right, correct. And somewhere in your in your career, a play you made because you saw a tendency, you saw something in an alignment or something that you noticed in film study that let you know this is it. This is the thing we should do here, and that's a play that would not have happened if you had not been a student of, of tape. Uh, I mean, there's there's a, there's a bunch throughout my career that I I just noticed, but I think some of the, the ones I've noticed before just I've always. I've always been able to keep eyes on safeties pretty well for my uh, for myself, but uh, the, their tendencies to go flat-footed, or they're, they're trying to disguise coverages and they're they're not disguising very well. And I've always tried to take advantage of that. I've, I always remember. So give me an example of somebody trying to disguise a coverage, and you were like, "Nice try, sucker!" Uh, and you yep. you 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 ripped them, you, you you gashed them. Give me an example. Uh, I remember there's. Two years ago, I think we played Mankato or something, and the safety came down about 10 yards and tried to just kind of squat there at 10 yards and tried to disguise he's playing. He was he was playing, supposed to be playing uh, too deep, but he was trying to disguise he's playing man. I'm not sure what he was doing, but we had a <laughs> concept going, so he had we had two two receivers interchanging, and as soon as I saw him squat down, I knew my receiver could get behind him. It was just a matter of me putting it right on him, and we ended, that ended up being the game-winning touchdown for us. So it was... It's kind of just like a, one of those things I'm thinking. I don't know. I'm not sure what he's trying to. Do. I know what he's trying to do here, but I'm not sure why he's doing it. So it's just, it's just getting, it's kind of nice when you see those happening, especially when you prepare for them all week. But uh, yeah, it's just that's kind of some of the one of the examples I've had throughout my career. Okay, excellent. Same question for you, uh, Mr. Andre Pipkins, give me an example of a play that you made because somebody, yeah, you read somebody's mail, you 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 saw deep into their soul and knew what they were trying to do. <laughs> oh well, uh, I would say uh, at the time where I was at uh, Kansas State, and uh, I've always you know told myself uh, or pretty much just directed towards the offensive lineman, but doesn't pay to be dumb. So um, <laughs> uh, Kansas State, they were um, they would come to the line. And the guard would, you know, tap the center and, you know, pretty much ask him where he, where, you know, what, what's the blocking scheme for it. And um, I caught on to it uh, because he would say slip, and that's the same terminology that we would use at um, at Texas Tech as far as 
defeating blocks. You know, this is a slip block, this is a scrape block. So they would use those terminologies. And me, I didn't say nothing about it. I, you know, I was just like, okay. Um, so uh, they uh, you know, kept calling out slips and scrapes uh, blocks, and I was able to just really, really get pieces on the center to have enough penetration to where I got the you know the double team on separate levels and kept making plays, uh, TFLs and you know causing causing havoc in the run game. You know? So it was it was something to you know it, it, I was proud of myself because you know I did a lot of studying. And I always would see, you know, the guard leaning over to the center, you know, right before the play. And the center will point it out, you know, uh, you know, point out the linebacker, of course, and then uh, he'll go from there. But once I got on the field and heard, heard, you know, the terminologies and what they was using, after the first drive, it was a wrap. I pretty much knew where they were going on the run. <laughs> yeah, note, note to offensive linemen, don't start telling each other out loud what it is you're going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh right, right. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't do that because uh, you know a guy like me will catch on to it, and it'll be, it, it, it'll be, a, it'll be a nightmare for you. This is, that's you how know. you get to be at Andre Pipkin's highlight reel. That's how you. Get <laughs> yes, sir. Perfect. Uh, so I'll, I'll bring you guys to my last. Well, first of all, Shaq, Rick, do you have one last question? Because I'll hit those guys. With my last question. No, go ahead. Shoot. So my by now world-famous, often emulated, never imitated final question, Mr. Andre Pipkins, I'll stick with you for a moment. You just talked about putting right. somebody in your highlight reel, so I'm going to take you a couple years in the future, right? Uh, okay. You are now a step. Once again, you no, no longer need to drive like a 74, you know, Coupe de Ville. You now are able to get yourself something a little fresher, a little cleaner. You're okay, that's right up my alley, so I might be stealing like a 7480. Oh, oh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk more off air then, because um, well, we'll talk more off air. So the uh, so I'm taking you to your second contract. This is where your life actually changes, right? So okay. as you said, you need to have that kind of I'm still kind of broke mindset with that first contract, but second contract, your life actually changes. Things are starting to happen. You're established right. as a guy who's playing. Over 50% of the snaps, you're essentially a starter. You occasionally play right on the nose. Occasionally you play a little four-eye. Occasionally you play a little three-tech, move you around a little bit, try to get you in good matchups, and you're, you're a tackle-for-loss machine. Now, they bring you back, and your guy's got a couple of different schools on your resume, but I'm assuming Kansas State is sort of the place that's nearest and dearest to your heart now. Is that fair to say? As far as nearest well, and dearest to my heart, what do you mean? Well, I mean, where do you – we always see when we watch the Monday Night Football, whatever. Um, Russell Wilson always tries to like sneak both in there. He calls himself, what is it, uh, Pack Pack Packer Badger or whatever he calls himself. Um, but where do you? I don't know. Where, how do you identify? Like, where are you? When someone says, "Hey, where'd you go to school?" How do you answer that now? Like, where's the place you feel like is you? Well, well of course, you know, Michigan. You know, they gave me you know a chance. You know, right after that, as far as. Uh, you know, that was my dream school. That's where I wanted to go. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, I'm always going to be proud of that, uh, proud of, uh, you know, of course, if you know, after, you know, this semester, you know, getting a Michigan degree, you know, that, that's going to go a long way in life. Uh, you know, even if I got a Texas Tech degree, you know, I would say I'm a Red, I'm a red Raider. And, uh, but, you know, okay. I, you know I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Wolverine as well, you know, so about to, to some degree. You know, so I can't, so, you know, just throw them in your mind. Bus, if, you I wake you up, you gotta, if I wake you up out of a dead sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning and tell me, okay, where are you from? What school did you go to? Which one comes oh, out of your mouth? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, okay. Right, right. Making sure, right. okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I was trying yes, to make sure I understood. 
Okay, well then I'm taking you back to Lubbock then, right? For if you can stay. You have established yourself, you've had a very terrific, you know, start to your career. And when you sign that second contract, I'm just explaining this how you know, if you guys don't know how it works, the alumni association at the school knows when you sign that second deal, just so you know. Mm-hmm. So you start getting envelopes in the mail from your school. And uh, so they, they want to bring you back and celebrate you. Also, they're trying to get you to write one of those big old checks. So you have to stand uh-huh. up there on the stage, and everybody's smiling and shaking hands. They've got a big old giant check that you, you know, you're writing. Uh, so it's six feet tall, four and a half feet wide. Everybody's all happy. They're happy because they're getting money. You're happy because, you know, hey, they remembered you, I guess. Now you're back in Lubbock. Uh, they're celebrating you. It's, oh, they it. And uh, tell me about the play that you think simplifies the Red Raider that you were in your collegiate career. The play that would describe me? The play that right. That if I wanted to, if I if I just had to show somebody one play, this is the play to see. What play would that be? I would say my, um, I would say my fumble recovery at, uh, when we played Texas on Senior Day. Huh? Why that? Play? Yeah, it was a wild. It was a wild run. It was like, well, it just happened. You know what I mean? So I just happened to. You know what I mean? When I got to Texas, it was like, hey, it just happened. So when the fumble recovery, man, I'm running to the ball. And it just, the ball just popped up and jumped into my hands. I promise you, like, I didn't reach down or nothing. It, it just <laughs> popped up into my hands. But uh, Kevin Moore, he was trying to pick it up, and he got tackled. And um, it popped right in my hands, and I just took off for, like, 27 yards. And uh, the there guy, the receiver, the first receiver, like, tried to uh, – I don't know if he wanted to – I don't really know if he wanted to tackle me, really. So I just <laughs> stiff-armed him and moved him out the way, and I kept running. And another receiver who um, – who tried to tackle me right when I got the ball, he had, you know, just – I don't think he knew how to tackle me. I mean, come on, who, who knows how to tackle 305 pounds at that time? There you so go. he, you know, took an angle took an angle approach and um, waited to after I stiffed arm his, uh, his his buddy, and he hopped on my back. And on the way down, I'm like, man, fight fair, fight fair. So, I mean, hop, get off my back. So, um, you know, that was like a, that was like an exciting moment. You know, I, I think it, 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 it pretty much um, – Ignited the crowd, you know, got the momentum going, and uh, it, it was a good feeling. And that's how it was, you know, at, at Tech for me. It was exciting. Uh, you know, of course, the you know the record didn't show it, but you know, I learned a lot. I met a lot of great people and the coaching staff. You know, they were, you know, they were, they were nothing but you know, like, they're like family. You know, they treat me like family from day one, and that hasn't changed since. So, you know, it, it was it was a fun ride, and that's what I call that run. It was a good ride. You know, a good twenty-seven yards, thirty-seven yards, what have you, you know, in my life. Right, and it shows off once again the big and the sexy. I like it. Good choice. Oh yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, same question to you, Jack. Now, obviously, you have a lot of you made a lot of plays, <laughs> so I'll let you give me an entire game. If you had to pick a game that showed people what this guy could be, for you, if you bring this guy in, if you draft this guy, what are you getting? What's the play? If I've got to sell you to my GM, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he's from this school. You haven't really got that familiar with. But look at this game. You're going to want this kid. What game would that be? Uh, I mean, I think I think I'd either look at either of the last uh, two years against Mankato. I mean, they've they've always been high ranked here in Division Two, and the past two years we've, we've been able to beat them once uh, on the road and once at home. And both times we've had to come back from deficits, and it was a. Uh, it was games where I've played well and guys around me have all bought into the game plan. We've all we all played really well and it's just in the last in the last in the last quarter we needed uh 
uh, game-winning drive or game-tying drive, or and we were able to come up with that through the air. And it was, uh, it was those are always exciting games for myself. Okay, got it. Well, I, I want to thank both of you, young men. It's been great watching your careers. Uh, I've been a Jack Nelson fan for a while, and I came to you a little later, Andre. I, I don't know why you didn't play more earlier in your career, but I guess, once again, maybe an off-air discussion. Uh, but I'm glad that you finally began to, to get an opportunity to show later on uh, what you could do. I, I wish you'd gotten more, like I said, more snaps sooner. I'm sure you wish you'd gotten right. more snaps sooner. I'm sure, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you, you wish know, it more it all, than it I do. Oh, yeah, man. But, you know, it all worked out. You know, I'm here, I'm at the stage, and, you know, it's pretty much fair game. You know, how bad do you want it? So that's how I look at it. Right. Right. Well, I hope uh, – I'll be actually hoping to follow up with both of you because I want to write out – I do something called Blue Light Specials, which deals with players that are going exactly. to go later in the draft or, or sometimes even undrafted, but I believe strongly will make an impact at the next level. So I think Rick probably has email addresses. I will – send out some additional questions because uh, we don't get a chance to ask. I, I have so many more things I'd like to ask. But, uh, uh, Rick, also <laughs> I want to thank you so much. This is, you know, I could do this literally all day long, uh, but I probably shouldn't. But I could do it all day long. Uh, so it is always a thrill, always a pleasure. Uh, one last thing. As I mentioned before, and as I'm sure people around you have told you, this is an incredibly rare opportunity. Something like three-tenths of a percent of the guys who want to do this, even get in a camp, even get to, you know, get the, the shorts and the, the laundry bag. I mean, that's, that's – even stepping into a camp is something that three-tenths of 1%, not 3%, three-tenths of 1% of the guys who want to do it ever even get the chance to do that. So you guys have already exceeded most people's expectations. I hope you will continue to do so. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Sir. Thank you for a lot of good. Ta- well, thank you for for good tape. I love good tape. <laughs> oh yeah, no problem. Well, Rick, Bill, that was pretty luck, cool. Think, you know, you, yeah, you're in luck because I mean we're going to be doing this each and every Sunday at 10 a.m. now, leading up to the draft, and uh, you know those three young men definitely made an impression and, and an impact on me down at the College Gridiron Showcase, so I know they made an impact on the NFL scouts, and I'm I'm glad we were able to profile those guys and bring three names uh, that everybody needs to know for the upcoming yes. 2017 NFL draft for sure. And, and we got a little bit about their uh, draft bibliography, and, and I'm looking forward to doing this each and every week with you. Indeed. Can I ask you a couple more questions? Because obviously – you got a chance to look at a lot of different things that went on down there. Other than, obviously, three great young men we had, who, who are some of the guys that you think have a legitimate chance and are, if you're a person who's really into the draft process, who else should I be trying to study if I haven't already familiarized myself? Well, I'll say that there was a lot of money makers down in Bedford, Texas. I think first and foremost, Mississippi State defensive tackle Nick James, uh, he wins when he wants to. You know, he's just unblockable at times. And honestly, the whole the the the, the first scrimmage we had a starting lineup out there of Nick James and Shakir Soto from the uh, Pitt Panthers, who gained 50 pounds this past season from 270 up to 320, along with wow. uh, Chris Odom. 
Chris Odom from Arkansas State was yeah. at one defensive end. His father, Cliff, of course, played 13 years in the NFL. Then we had Casey Sales from Ohio all on the same defensive line, and I think that was the perfect snapshot of what the Cosgrid Orange Showcase was all about because here you had James from Mississippi State in the SEC. You had Soto from the ACC. You had Sales from the MAC. Then you have Odom representing Arkansas State. So it was really, like I said, a great level playing performance, and I think all those guys have a chance of getting drafted. Landon Leckler from North Dakota State, 84-inch wingspan. He definitely turned heads. <laughs> All week long, he his draft stock is on the rise. Jamal Wiltz from Iowa State was a slot cornerback that grabbed people's attention. Jillian Ware from Alabama State, another one of these guys on the offensive line. We had a lot of big uglies uh, there. And then Drew Morgan from uh, Arkansas, wide receiver, yes. who played so well at the Cosgridiron Showcase. He got the call up from the East-West Shrine game, so he was there, down there at St. Pete and Yep, really, really deserved to my, my, yeah. yeah, and one of my two two of my favorite guys, um, Dan Andrews from Brockport State up in upstate New York, a running back, I think D three that really has a legitimate shot of making the NFL. And then Anthony Kukwa from Lake Erie. You heard Christian yes. talk about his opportunity to long snap. Well this guy Kukwa, the forty er scout, took out a stop stopwatch and was clogged. This guy was zipping the ball back there from Lake Erie, but then he won our offensive MVP playing tight end. He lined up as H-back. He can even play fullback. I believe that the Cos Gridiron Showcase could single-handedly help that kid get drafted, and uh, we also had guys down there like Tyrone Swoops making the conversion from quarterback to tight end. That was an interesting process to watch, and he's kind of a, a, a big ball of clay, a lump of clay that teams are going to have to mold, probably work with on the practice squad for a year or two. Freddie Tagaloa from Arizona was one of our <laughs> dominant yes. offensive linemen. Gary Brown, do you know about Gary Brown at a Cal PA? This guy yes. is on the rise and, uh, I mean, the list – I mean, there there was quite a few players. The list goes – Ryan Reed out of Baylor was a guy teams were impressed with. Jacob Hollister, the tight end from Wyoming, and Jared Collins, oh. the Arkansas cornerback. I mean, those two guys was like a revolving door. Uh, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a draftable grade. I think Hollister has a shot at midday three if he tests well. Well – I will tell you, almost every NFL team that was there called him in for an interview. We also had uh, guys like Standish Dobard and Roman Deloach who got reps at tight end and defensive end, and then a guy like Ray Buchanan Jr. who had two interceptions in the scrimmage. One was a pick-six return. Um, Darian Flowers from San Houston State. I mean, there was just Corey Vereen from Tennessee, Mondo Williams, from Appalachian State. And how about this guy we didn't even touch base on? Well, uh, Bart Houston, I think, from Wisconsin. Oh. This guy might not get drafted, but he was really the leadership skills, the size, the arm. He was fitting the ball into tight windows. I really liked what I saw out of Bart Houston from Wisconsin. And uh, two centers that might go undrafted but have a legitimate shot of making a 53-man roster would be Derek, Derek Nelson from Rutgers, and Brandon Cublano from Georgia, just a really, I don't want to say dirty, but he was a feisty guy. He was just straight up <laughs> pissing people off uh, and getting <laughs> under their skin. So it was fun to watch that. And uh, Rashad Coward, you know, the old Dominion football team had a lot of this year. 
Rashad Coward, a defensive tackle right there in the middle, a big reason why he really showed up and showed out. And then the last day, we had a couple running backs drop. We were able to call in Jody Webb out of Youngstown State, the running back there who just really finished his season on a high note. And, man, I, I got to tell you, Bill, the, the talent was plentiful. There's a, there's a reason why we had 125 scouts with all the CFL teams. And I, I know the weigh-ins, we put out 10 rows of 10 chairs, and there was only standing room only in that room. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to working with the College Gridiron Showcase for years to come and growing that event into an uh, annual uh, you know, I, I believe the draft season kicks off in Bedford. I, I think it's really the, the, <laughs> the big first pit stop for NFL scouts. And, hey, the scouts proved that. I mean, the, the, the Giants sent seven scouts. The Patriots sent five scouts. The Rams had seven scouts. I mean, we, it was very well represented. And, and shout out to uh, Craig, Craig Red, Jose Jefferson, the two co-founders of the event. Very, very well put together. It's an extremely well-run event. It's an event that I truly believe is on the rise. It's, as I mentioned before, you know, you and I both have been doing this for a while. I've been to lots of different events, some of them extremely well-run, extremely well-organized, some of them less so, but still an opportunity uh, from, you know, coast to, literally from coast to coast. Uh, you know, some of them, like I said, are South Carolina to Nevada to name a place, Texas. Obviously, Texas is a hotbed. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. being at the – I was at the first Texas versus Nation, uh, which was un- – I remember it was unseasonably cold, actually. Like, everyone was – I was thinking Texas. It's going to be super warm. It was like 40 degrees. But, uh, but still, it's, um, it's great to see there's a space for – like I said, NFLPA sort of is helping to, to build uh, that next rung below things like the East-West Shrine. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a place, there's a needed place for those maybe not quite as recognized players, guys who maybe made a position switch late in their careers or maybe for whatever reason they get to play as much or just more often than not are just not from a quote-unquote name brand program. There's got to be a place for those guys to go. And as you mentioned, the Drew Morgan situation, who's from a name brand program, had a couple of years of terrific tape at Arkansas, of all places. <laughs> you know, not exactly a place you have to look hard for to find in the college football world. And I was just surprised that he didn't get more attention earlier on in terms of, uh, you know, but I'm glad that the College Grand Showcase got him that the eyes that people need, because I, terrific route runner. Super high football IQ. People make jokes about future Patriot or whatever, but whatever joke you want to make, he is a guy who can play. He's a guy who I think will have a place in the league for multiple years. If you can get open, you don't have to be a freak necessarily, but if you can keep getting open, if you can be a guy that can be dependable, you're where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there, there's a job for guys like that. There's a job waiting if you can do those things. Oh, no Those doubt about exciting. it. And, you know, without, yeah. yeah, and without the College Gridiron Showcase, I mean, who knows? You know, maybe he doesn't get that East-West Ron game invite, but because he plays in the College Gridiron Showcase and then again at the East-West Ron game, he probably just got a chance to perform in front of 250 scouts between the two events. So his draft <laughs> stock it just takes one scout, one team to fall in love with you. His His draft stock is definitely in a lot better place now because of it. And deservedly so. I mean, it, 
in my mind, he should have always been in like the, you know, mid fifth on discussion for most teams. And if if they hadn't gotten there to him, they they now have. I think. I think most teams probably have. You know, some teams will probably like him more, some will probably like him less. But I think that's probably about where most people should have him if they don't. And I think they will if they haven't yet. There's the things I love about things like the College Gridiron Showcase and any other, you know, one you want to name out there. You, it's not only the level playing field, and obviously getting exposed to professional coaches, you get a really good sense of who will be overwhelmed, quite frankly. Some of the guys you've admitted to, and I love when a guy admits to it, to being a little nervous at first. Like, that's great. I love when a guy doesn't have to pretend that, you know, <laughs> you know, oh, this is nothing. I've done this a million times. It's great to see a guy come in with a little bit of initial nerves, jitters, whatever, and then fight through it. And then by the time you get to Wednesday, he's killing everything in sight. Like, okay, this guy's going to be fine. If you throw him into an NFL camp, he's going to realize where he is, what's going on, and adapt and survive. And I guess I'll ask you just a f- one or two more questions, and we'll close this, this bad fella out. So you mentioned a few superlatives in terms of, you know, length and height and weight and things like that. When – if an NFL scout is sort of newish – to some of these guys. And that's what people also don't realize is that the NFL coaches and scouts, first of all, they pay no attention to underclassmen until, <laughs> until they declare. So a lot of people are like, well, you know, how, don't they already know? No, they really, they, they, they busy themselves with seniors only at first until, until an underclassman declares. But these guys are all obviously seniors. Uh, if you were putting together a shopping list for your favorite team, or however you put it. You know, we keep using the groceries analogy, but who are the guys you would spotlight for your particular team? If you're going to your GM, you're going to your uh, director of, of, of uh, you know, college scouting, and you're saying, these are the guys, here's a short list. Here's the guys that I feel like fit our team. You know, I'm going to let you, I don't know which team you want to rep at this point, but whichever team is yours in your mind at this moment, who do you want out of the College Gridiron Showcase kids, who are the ones you're stacking up at the top of your board if you're drafting from there? <laughs> right. Well, you're putting me on the spot. And, you I know, put I you think on the spot. Case by case. Yeah, you are. You are putting me on the spot. But, I, I mean, put you did, completely on the spot. I, I apologize <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> no, it's all good because, I mean, we did publish the all College Gridiron Showcase team, and, and a lot of my collections would originate from there. But to – go and spend some time on your original question is the one thing about the NFL draft Bible is, yeah, we do profile the, the senior bowl guys in the top 100. And, you know, I like to let the mainstream media bang in, bop you over the head with all those players. But the thing is, <laughs> over and over again. I was running yeah. an NFL, of course, if I, but if I'm running an NFL scouting department, you know, I'm really focusing on those day three undrafted players, because that's where a majority of your team is going to be yep. consisted of. And if you're a good team, you'll see, you'll notice that the good franchises, they don't have to spend money on free agency because they, they, they identify players who fit their scheme and then they develop them. And whether it's through the practice squad or, 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 you know, bouncing around back and forth, um, for example, the Green Bay Packers. Well, look at the last four. Like, four the, look at all four of the last four teams left, right? They're all teams that have, okay, one team has a guy who was a captain at the first of the 75th Army Rangers, right? A guy who was a wide receiver at a triple option offense as their left tackle. You've got 
we mentioned the guy who won the Super Bowl for one of those teams who's an undrafted kid from West Georgia. Um, the Green Bay Packers are extremely well-known in the draft community for giving guys a, a, a legitimate shot, even if they were from, I mean, name a place, right? <laughs> um, they've got Jeff Janis on that squad, who was one of my favorite guys coming out. I mean, they got a bunch of guys who are D2 and uh, – one, uh, I almost said one double A. Once again, showing my age, FCS at whatever level. I mean, they. I don't know if they have any D three guys. I don't think they do, but they have a bunch of D two guys. Uh, I think they have one, maybe one NAI guy, NAIA guy, and they have too many FCS guys today. Uh, Ted Thompson is a grinder. That's what I love about Ted Thompson. He he almost is like a area scout in the way he approaches his job. He goes out to more live games and more live practices than any other. He doesn't call himself a GM, vice president of whatever it is he, he is, but he's basically a GM. Doesn't actually have the title, but whatever he whatever he calls himself now, he treats it like he's a scout. He gets in the dirt. Well, yeah, and oh, if sorry. you take a look yeah, at the Packers roster, no, I mean they're by far the most homegrown team in the NFL. Forty-four yep. of those fifty-three guys on that roster right now are either through the draft or undrafted free agents. And, you know, I, I would imagine about half of the roster from the Packers as well as the Patriots, and then even take a look at the Steelers, these three teams, uh, you know, are, are the prime example of the best way to build a team is through the draft and through undrafted free agents because you don't have to overpay. Now, at some point in time, yes, if you want to keep the talent in-house, you have to pay to keep your guys, but they don't have to overextend themselves in free agency and overpay for needs because they do the best job of identifying players who fit their scheme, especially in the later round and undrafted and developing those guys so that they can build a team and develop players and, and the best teams in the NFL work from that formula. Yeah. You don't see these teams, Signing, I won't name any names, but signing, you know, guys who haven't really proven themselves to max level contracts and end up hurting your team for years and years to come. You don't see those these teams that you just named. None of them do that. You don't see that on their resume, which is why they're the last four teams still playing. It's not an accident. It's not a you know, hey, look what happened. No, this is how you do it. They are a great example of how to go about doing this the best way possible, the most efficient way possible. So that's, that's great to see. I, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that as we continue to do this, we'll dig in deeper. Uh, we'll, do, we'll have more time, I guess, in the future to dig deeper into how we've seen the draft change even. I mean, we, we had 103, if you count, graduated underclassmen, underclassmen declared, despite the supposed uh, <laughs> changes in how underclassmen enter and I'm not against it. I mean, if you're truly ready, truly ready, if you hey, I wasn't against Deion Sanders coming out early. You know, if you're dominant, if you're an unstoppable guy who's killing everything, and you're, frankly, there's no more challenges for you to be had at the collegiate level, please, definitely declare. But when you're a guy who's, you know, basically unformed, talented but unformed, and I'm not going to go off on a tirade, though I certainly could, I think a lot of these guys are really hurting themselves. I, I understand everybody wants to get into the league and 
that's the goal and that's the dream since you were eight or whatever. But you don't just want to get there. You want to stay there. And having developed yourself as much as possible before you actually have to compete against the best of the best of the best, I just think, you know, how different – I mean, Terrell Pryor's having a decent NFL career, but how different would his path have been if he'd gotten a chance to be more fully developed before he – as you said, lump of clay, right? He was tossing the league a lump of clay, like you mentioned with Sloops, you know. And, of course, he's a different situation. He played out his entire time in eligibility and can give you a couple of different things. He'd be your, you know, your wild whatever quarterback, and he can give you some blocking a little bit, even for a guy who played quarterback and not a terrible blocker. And he's learning how to run routes and catch the ball. I mean, that's a guy I'm interested in seeing what happens with him. But I just, I just hope that people realize this is largely a one, maybe two-shot endeavor uh, for most people, and getting a chance to really refine your skills, I just, I just hope guys don't rush it when they don't have to. That's all I guess I'll say about that. Yeah, I mean, you're broaching a topic, like you said, we could probably spend a whole other show on that. An so entire I'll, show on it, yeah. So I'll I'll, I, won't, that, I won't bring it up uh, now. I'll, that, I'll, I'll leave that conversation <laughs> for another day. And, and yes, uh, sir. you know, like I said, maybe maybe we have a topic there for next week. We'll cook, we'll cook up some guests. And, you know, it won't <laughs> always be NFL draft prospects. Maybe we'll get some industry guys on. Maybe we'll get some coaches. We'll switch it up for the yeah. listening audience. But I'd say this has been a, a, a way to kick off the show. And, uh yeah, really good stuff. It's been a pleasure chatting it up with you, and we'll uh, continue to bring the people to draft bibliography. Yes. Well, I want to thank, first of all, Rick Saratello, the uh, chief cook and bottle washer, CEO, um, rainmaker, whatever term you want to use over at Draft Bible. It's been a thrill. Uh, something that's been, as you said, very long time in coming. Glad it finally made it here. Uh, I, of course, have the great pleasure of coming over from Kansas Draft Services. I am process of sort of reconstituting that in the next year or so, and I still write for a couple of the people like Nuts and Bolt Sports and Pro Player Insiders, and I'll be writing for some other people in the future. <sighs> Putting together my own position rankings, draft rankings, all that good stuff, and kicking that stuff out to the world very, very soon. I'm going to write some articles, uh, what I call my uh, blue light specials. Some of the men we had today will be amongst those blue light specials and a bunch of others that I've talked about in the past. I just want to thank you all. Uh, thank everyone who's ever supported me, listened to me, fought with me, any of these things through the past many years that I've been doing this. And, Rick, once again, this has been a thrill. We will do this again in a week, sir. Oh, sounds good. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you so much. Uh, Draft Bibliography, Episode 1. In the books, baby. <laughs>